We are on Yevamos Kufhei Amar Aleph 105a. As we begin the second version of what they sent to the father of Shmuel. We discussed uh, in the last recording the first version of what they sent to the father of Shmuel. And it was an analysis of what is necessary in the Chalitza process to allow her to get married to somebody else. And also what is necessary within the Chalitza process of the three different steps in order to disqualify her from marrying one of the, performing Yibam with one of the brothers-in-law. So the Gemara now has a different version as to what they sent to uh, the father of Shmuel. So says the Gemara as, uh, as follows. Shalchulei. So they... This is what they sent him. They sent to him that if she does spit, then all she has to do is remove the shoe from her brother-in-law, and you're fine, even though it's really out of order. In the verse itself, the order is first that they read, they say something out loud, she removes the shoe off of his foot, then she spits, and then there's a final statement which is said. Uh, the point is that what's being discussed here is the fact that if she does it out of order, if she spits first, so then she doesn't have to spit again. Uh, based on the, we have a similar story. Have Yosef Rabbi Abba Bar Kamei Rakuka Mikamei Tachlots. So Essentially, there was a woman who came in front of Rabbi Ami to do chalitza. And what she did, she uh, got ahead of herself and she spat before she removed the shoe. And Rabbi Ami said to Rabbi Abba, Rabbi Abba was with him, tell her to remove the shoe so that we could finish uh, this chalitza. So that's, what, that's what Rabbi Ami told Rabbi Abba. So Amar lay. Rabbi Abba. So Rabbi Abba said back to him, Oh, I've been on Mayrock. Uh, but we need her to, to spit. Uh, we need her to spit essentially after Chalitza. <laughs> Excuse me, after Chalitza. So, so Rabbi Abba says, No. <coughs> Excuse me. Harakakala. She already did spit. So Rabbi Abba says, Viterukumabakach. He says, Okay, but let her spit again. What's the problem? Let us at least know the correct order. So even though she spat already, in front of him. She should remove the shoe and then spit again so that we know what the correct order is. So he says, no, he can't do that. That's going to lead to problems. What problems is it going to lead to? Essentially, people will say, you know what? The first spitting uh, was meaningless. It wasn't good. Didn't accomplish anything. And that she could, in fact... Do yibum after the first spitting, because we saw that she did the she did the first spitting. People will think that spitting alone will allow for yibum, and that leads to what we discussed uh, earlier: that spitting alone, if people will think that they allow for yibum, gen- then it'll also lead to the it's uh, it, it's going to lead to the to the next situation where if you do chalitza, you remove the shoe alone, uh, so then that would also allow her to to marry. It won't be completed. People will think. And she'll be allowed to marry one of the brothers-in-law. We know that that's not true. Um, so it's out of this concern that we say that she shouldn't spit afterwards. But the big question is, what about the order? Don't you need the order? 
Kisidra, and don't you need the correct order where she removes the shoe and then she spits? The Gemara says, no. Kisidra lo ma'akva. The order is not ma'akiv. The order is uh, is not necessary. It's ideal, but it's not necessary. And uh, when Rabbi Abi heard this, he says, "Who suffered? He originally thought that he was he was just being uh, essentially pushing off his questions, but he found out that this was really something which is taught in the following brisa. An interesting brisa here. The Tanya was taught in the brisa. Bain shehiktim. Oh, we'll get to the story. The story is interesting. But Bain shehiktim chalitza lerikika. Bain shehiktim lerikika lechalitza. Masha also also. The, if you even if you switch the order, it's not a problem. It's not a problem to switch the order. Ideally, you should keep the order, the order of the Torah. But if you switch the order, it's not a problem, and she's allowed to get married even if you do, even if she spits first and then she removes the shoe. So the Gemara now records the following interesting story: Levi nafak lekriyasa. Uh, so Levi, as it's explained in greater detail in the Jerusalem Talmud, he went out to the villages to teach them Torah. It seems as though. Uh, they wanted a rabbi to teach them Torah. Uh, rabbi sent Levi to go to this village to teach them Torah. And they sort of uh, elevated his status. They put him on some um, uh, royal throne, so to speak. And uh, they really uh, they gave him a lot and gave him a lot of respect. And we'll see that he's not going to know the laws. They're going to ask him questions. He's not going to know the laws. And the Gemara says, you know what, the reason why is because because... He felt full of himself on his level. Levi felt full of himself, uh, and he, he really enjoyed the honor and the respect that causes a person to forget their learning. It causes a person to forget their Torah. So what did they ask, ask from him? They asked from him three questions. Two of them have to do with chalitza. One of them doesn't. What is the law with regards to somebody who doesn't have arms? We know that you have to remove the shoe with your hand. What happens if they're armless? Could they remove the shoe with their teeth? That's the question. Um, the second question is, What happens if when she spits, she sp- instead of spitting out saliva, she spits out blood? Does that work? That was the second question. And then the third question was, They just asked him a question from Daniel, from the book of Daniel. It says, I will declare to you that which is inscribed in the writing of truth. The implication is that in heaven there's writing of truth and there's writing which is not of truth. But I thought in the heavens, in God's domain, everything's truth. So it doesn't mean that there's the writing of truth, with the implication being that there's writing which is not of truth. Not of truth. So law of Biyade, he didn't have he didn't have the answer. And as we mentioned before, the reason why he didn't have the answer is because uh, he felt uh, he he enjoyed the honor, the honor and, and the respect that he was being given, and that caused him to forget. His Torah study. So also Shal Bay Midrasha. So he went to the he went to the uh, house of study. He went to the base medrash and he asked them, "What's the law?" Miksiv. So they answered back. Amrule. They said back to him, "Miksiv v'chalta biyad." It doesn't say v'chalta that she has to remove the shoe with her hand. It doesn't say with her hand. So she gives her teeth. Umiksiv v'yarkuk rok. And does it say that she spits saliva? Maybe when it comes to chalitza, she could also spit blood. Perhaps she could spit blood, because it doesn't say they have to spit saliva, it just says you have to spit. Maybe spitting blood would work. We'll also see later on the Gemara, it's unclear whether it's a different answer or the same answer, but the Gemara will come on to the idea that even within blood, there's some saliva. So we'll get to that in a little bit. And with regards to the third question, very interesting idea. The third question says, 
Uh, the verse says in Daniel that there's writing of truth. The implication is that there's writing which is also not of truth in the heavens. The Gemara says, There were different types of oaths that, so to speak, that God would take. There's the oath which, um, the, sorry, there's a, there's, there's a judgment which is accompanied with an oath, and there's a judgment which is not accompanied with an oath. And that if it's accompanied with an oath, the, the idea of MS, what does it mean? Truth, it means that it's, it, it, it's, it's uh, going to last forever. It's permanent. That's really what it means by MS, by truth. It means it is permanent. It will not, uh, it will happen. And that there's sometimes oaths that God takes, that Hashem takes, or judgments that Hashem takes, where uh, He will go through with the judgment no matter what. That it, it, it will happen. Um, and then there are others which uh, there's the ability to change the judgment. And we find an example like this. What's an example of this? Shenamar, as if the verse says in Shmuel Aleph in Samuel 1, uh, says that the house of Eli, the children of Eli, they were very corrupt. And he takes a Shvua, he takes an oath that in the house of Eli, that um, nobody will be atoned for with the sacrifices forever, and, and it's an idea that they they will have judgment and nothing. The the the, the they cannot be atoned for through uh, offerings with sacrificial offerings. What's interesting is the next line. It's true that they won't, can't be atoned for through sacrificial offerings, but and what happened was they they died young. But Amarabba says it's true. You cannot uh, have become. Uh, uh, you cannot uh, uh, find um, atonement through the sacrifices, but you could find atonement through the Torah. And Abaya says maybe it's uh, you cannot find atonement through the sacrifices, but maybe with, uh, there's different versions here, but with Torah and with Chesed. Torah, you need both the study of Torah and Chesed and the kindness to one another. Now the commentators point out uh, that this is perhaps this is referring to what the three the three legs that the world stands on. It stands on uh, Torah, Avoda, and Gemilas Chasadim on the study of Torah, Avoda, referring to the worship um, with the sacrificial offerings and with Chesed. And it's possible that they they lost out on bringing sacrificial offerings because they were corrupt in the Mishkan. They were themselves corrupt, and so therefore they couldn't uh, receive atonement for it was in the same exact place. Where 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 uh, where they were corrupt, they can't receive atonement. But they have the other two legs, and so with the other two legs, they are able to receive uh, added life. And the Gemara says, Rabbah and Abaye, the two people who said this, they came. They were descendants from the house of Eli. Rabbah does Torah Rabbah who studied Torah, he lived for forty years, and he didn't die as young as uh, as m- many people did from the house of Eli. And Abai who studied Torah and he did a chassan, he lives for 60 years. And some of the commentators point out that uh, we only get begin to get judged by Hashem at the age of 20. So you start off at the age of 20 and then each one adds another 20 years. So Rabbah studied Torah, he ended up dying at 40. Abaye, who did both Torah and chassan, so then he lives for an additional 20 years, so that ends up being 60. On a similar note, the Gemara continues and says, Taner Abana, we taught in a, it was taught in a Brisa, Mishpacha Achas Haisa Yerushalayim, Shahayu Mason Geben Shmonas Veshana. There was a certain family in Jerusalem, and their children would die at the age of 18. 
terrible situation. So they approached Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Um, and Amar Lami said to them, Maybe the reason why you're dying so young is because you're descendants from the house of Elian. There was a promise that they would die young. So what does he tell them to do? He says, give the advice of Rabbah. So he tells them, go study Torah. The way to remove this evil decree is to study Torah. And they go and they study Torah. And then that family's name, because of the advice of Rabbi, of Rabbi Yochanan uh, and uh, how he was able to allow them to live for longer, they referred to their name. The, the family name became the family name of Yochanan. That he took on, the, it was the family of Yochanan. Okay, a little bit more in the Gemara with regards to decrees of judgment that uh, cannot be torn. Amor Shmuel Bar Unyamarav. Rav says the following important line How do we know that when there's a judgment on the community that it's never sealed? You could always undo it. How could you tell me that it's never sealed? We have a verse in Yirmiyahu. That says that no matter how much you try to clean yourself with soap, obviously referring to some spiritual cleansing, your your sin is still marked in front of me. That uh, there is no atonement, there is no way to undo this. So what is this referring to? How do we know that even if it's signed, even if it's in front of Hashem and it's signed, you could still rip it up? How do we know this? Because the verse says, One verse says that who is like Hashem? Anybody can call out to Hashem. Anybody can uproot. There uh, and change their judgment. But it also says that you have to you have to find Hashem, that seek Hashem where He may be found. Meaning He's not found everywhere. We actually had this earlier in the Misachin in this tractate. The Gemara says Lokasha that there's a difference when it comes to a, a, a communal tefillah, communal prayer that has the ability to uproot any judgment whatsoever and at all times. You pray as, as a unit together, as a community. You have that ability to uproot, uproot the gzardin, uproot the, uh, the, the judgment. But if you pray as an individual, so then it's only sometimes. Sometimes you can find Hashem. When is that sometimes? Amos, Amar of Nachman, Amar of Rabbi Baravua. Rabbi Baravua says, Elo Asari Yom Shabbat Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippurim. That's referring to the time period between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. That was the time period which is designated for uh, Hashem getting closer to us. And that's only referring to when you pray privately. When you pray privately, you have the ability to uproot the judgment. But the truth is that if you pray as a tzibor, as a community in public, so then that has the same ability as during those 10 days between Rosh Hashanah, the high holidays, the, between Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, you have the same power the whole rest of the year if you dive in together with a minion, with a tzibor, uh, with 10 people. So it shows you how powerful it is that you should. we should really try our best to daven and pray with the, with the community, with, uh, with a minion, with the tzibor. Okay, a few more lines. They sent to the father of Shmuel another question. They said, or a statement, they said that if she spits out blood, so then you should do chalitza. Meaning, if she spits out blood, so then we assume that it was a good form of spitting, and it worked, and and so then she also uh, she also has to do then chalitza. She has to remove the shoe. Lefishi yefshar. Why? Why is this? Lefishi yefshar. Ladam below tzichzuch, broke because it's impossible 
it's impossible that with the blood that there's no saliva. There must be saliva in there. Now, it's important to point out, some of the commentators ask, okay, there's saliva in there, but in, when there's a mixture, there's a separate halacha principle that when there's a mixture, we follow the majority. The definition, the identity of that mixture is based off of the majority. And if there's majority blood and, and there's a minority of saliva, so then we should say, this is really blood. There is no room for any saliva here. So there's different answers that are given. Some give the answer that we don't apply the concept of following the majority if you could identify, you could see the saliva. And sometimes you could see the saliva. Alternatively, very interesting point, is that we only apply this principle if they became, they turned into a mixture, uh, not naturally, but they, later on they, they turned into a mixture. So then you can apply the principle that its identity is defined by the majority. However, if it was naturally created as such, this mixture was naturally created as such, so then it's impossible. You cannot uh, define it based on the majority. The majority only is, is when there's a clash. If there's a clash between two different entities, so then you can say, oh, the, 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 the mixture is defined by the majority. But there is no clash here. There is no clash because this is how it was created, the blood together with the saliva, and so therefore it was naturally done this way, so therefore there's not even an ability for a clash. But returning back to the Gemara, the Gemara said, just said that there's no, whenever there's blood, there must be some saliva. Mesevei, they say, what are you talking about? Uh, with regards to a different area of law, with regards to the laws of impurity and purity, we say that when dam, when blood comes out, it's not the regular form of a liquid which comes out, which would create, make somebody impure. And we don't say there that when blood comes out, there's also other liquid in the, in the blood to say that they're impure. We assume that it's only blood. So how do you deal with that? So the Gemara says, Lokasha, the Gemara says there's an answer. It depends how the blood is coming out. If you uh, are spitting it out, you've collected the blood together with whatever moisture is in the, in the mouth or wherever, so then, uh, and then you spit it out, so then there's saliva together with it. However, if it's just dripping down, the blood is dripping down, dripping out of the body, so then uh, we don't assume that there's any other moisture or liquid uh, mixed together with it. Um, and so that's the conclusion. Essentially, today we discussed uh, many different things. One is what happens if you do it out of order. It's not a problem. We discussed uh, what happens if blood comes out or if a person could do chalitza with something other than their hands, with their teeth perhaps. And we had this very interesting story of Levi who forgot the... He couldn't answer the questions because uh, on his level, he was a little full of himself for... Uh, he had that gaiva... Um, that haughtiness from, from being respected so much within the community that he was working in um, and he forgot the laws and how uh, to explain this idea that when is it that we have the ability to uproot a judgment as a seabor, as a community we always are able to do that as individuals we can only do that during the 10 days of repentance we will continue on Kofi MBA's 105B in the next recording